Hi there, welcome to Victim to Victor, the podcast dedicated to empowering abuse survivors and inspiring healing, hope and positive change. I'm Anu Verma, a published author, and in every episode, I'll sit down with a guest and embark on an insightful conversation about trauma, as well as practical strategies to start the healing process. So let's get started. I hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, I have Lynn Barrett on my show. Lynn is an author and a facilitator of writers' workshops and memoir classes for people with dissociative disorders. Her memoir, Crazy Reclaiming Life from the Shadow of Traumatic Memory, follows her discovery of and recovery from multiple personality disorder, now called dissociative identity disorder. A retired teacher, school principal and pastor, Lynn was diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder in 1992 while climbing up the career ladder. Listen on to learn more about Lynn's journey. And here is lovely Lynn all the way from upstate New York. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Anu. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, to be on your podcast. And I want to say hello to all your listeners as well. Yeah, it's an absolute honor to have you on and I'm really excited to hear your story as I am with you know all of my guests but with yours it's quite a um, specific story because your history is around a dissociative identity disorder and I must admit you're probably the first guest coming on who is willing to talk so openly about this so thank you so much you're for welcome. coming on. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. So um, I mentioned in the intro that you know you have got a memoir called Crazy Reclaiming Life from the Shadow of Traumatic Memory, which again I'm really excited to learn more about. So what what motivated you to write this book? Um, well, um, so in my professional life, um, I was a teacher and a school principal and a pastor. And as I came close to retirement, I thought to myself, I should write books when I retire or I should be writing in some way. But every time I said that to myself, there would be some kind of a a block that would come up um, that would prevent me from even imagining what would I write about? Now I've had a unique life and a very difficult life but in some ways, an interesting life. And I kept thinking, and I have lots of opinions. So I thought I should be able to write a book, but I couldn't think about what I'd write about. And then all of a sudden it came to me, well, the reason why you can't write about anything else, Lynn, is because you have to write this story. You have to write this story um, that uh, encompasses uh, a good 20 or more years of your conscious life. Um, and um, the incredible um, pain and uh, desperation um, uh, and devastation that you lived with um, during that period of time. And the fact that you came through it and you live a happy, fulfilled and healthy life now. And I, I wanted to write this story um, to... Uh, be perhaps a beacon of hope to other people who may be experiencing similar things to know that there is um, not just hope, but there is really a path forward, um, even in the depths of despair. And um, so that's really why I wrote the book. Um, uh, In telling you that, I've skipped over the whole period before uh, uh, my um, retirement uh, that encompasses my personal life, which was congruent with my professional life, but um, uh, very different stories about what was happening to me professionally and what was happening to me personally. Ah, okay. I always say that for anybody who writes memoirs, there's always a story behind that. <laughs> so, and I know we spoke about this already, the fact that you can't even remember what happened to you. 
I, 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 so I have what we call traumatic memory mm-hmm. um, and traumatic memory um, is stored in the back brain, which mm-hmm. is uh, where our emotion, emotions and our, our, our um, uh, physical bodies uh, store their memory. Um, whereas our, our narrative, our cognitive memory is stored in the front brain. And yes. so I, um, I, I do have some cognitive memories of abuse, but uh, very little because most of it uh, got stored in the back brain. And this is not uncommon for people with dissociative identity disorder because we experienced as small children chronic childhood abuse and trauma. Mm. And so in order to cope with that as small children, um, we our brains use this really creative coping strategy by uh, building walls uh, around memories wow. or building walls around emotions um, or building walls around experiences. And when it happens over and over again, eventually those walls sort of become solidified into what we call parts or alters or insiders that aren't necessarily aware of other parts, alters or insiders. So um, this is really functional for a small child because just think about this, Anu. Um, If you're three years old, um, you rely on your caregivers, you rely on your parents or the people who take care of you because you're not capable of taking care of yourself. And so if those same people are also hurting you, it would be very difficult for you to go back and rely on them for your life um, needs. So a part of you doesn't know anything about the abuse. Uh, So that part can go back and, and live your life with these people who are taking care of you. But another part of you holds the memory or the abuse um, both the, the 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 bodily memory that's stored in the back brain, and in some cases the cognitive memory that would be stored in the front brain. Um, so um, it's very functional, actually, for the small child to do this. Um, but as we get older, it becomes very dysfunctional. First of all, because we're not in danger anymore, and secondly, because we're adults and we can take care of ourselves. And thirdly, because there are many symptoms that are attached um, to dissociative identity disorder and for that matter to any form of childhood abuse that we need to heal from. Um, And so we may not even realize we've been abused, but we might be experiencing um, feelings of um, unreality, of not actually being real. Um, or feelings that the world around us isn't exactly real. Um, Maybe our emotions and our um, thinking doesn't match. They just don't connect. Uh, We might have uh, different streams of consciousness running through our head at the same time and not understanding what that means. It's just that I feel like I'm going crazy, (laughs) uh, which is why I entitled uh, the book Crazy, which, by the way, I, I do want to comment that um, I am not crazy and I was not crazy, nor is anyone who has dissociative identity disorder crazy. We feel crazy. We aren't crazy, but sometimes we feel that way. And with the um, appropriate uh, treatment, uh, we can come through that sense of craziness. But um, I, I wanted to clarify that because I think some people are um, taken aback by my use of the word crazy. Um, but I couldn't find any other word to describe it because I, I that's in my journals. That's what I kept writing. I'm crazy. I feel crazy. I'm going crazy. Well, I wasn't crazy. I, what I was doing is I was feeling um, these traumatic memories that I had no idea where they were coming from and they were making me feel like I was crazy. So some of the other symptoms that I experienced and that others might experience as well is, is just constant body pain or sometimes specific body pain, um, uh, suicidal ideation, 
um, and, um, and, and, and able to maybe really excel in one area of your life and totally decompose in another area of your life. So, so I, I don't want to suggest that my list of symptoms that I've just described to you is the end-all and be-all of symptoms. There are probably uh, some uh, a larger um, uh, 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 list that you can draw on. But my symptoms were quite um, common for anyone who has a DID. That's the acronym for Dissociative Identity Disorder. Uh, and I think most people with DID will have similar symptoms and may have others as well that I didn't have. Uh, in many cases, there's loss of time um, and, uh, and a lot of amnesia that goes along with it as well. In my case, the amnesia has been largely focused on the memories themselves um, and, and, and amnesia between parts uh, initially, but eventually we were able to lower the amnesia uh, between the parts so that we all sort of were able to become uh, part of one unified whole. I can actually resonate with the um, trauma um, memory loss because it, it was only really when I started to um, have some intimate relationships and that was in, in my mid-20s that um, I knew things weren't right because I kept getting flashbacks yes. and then it was just like a gradual process because even then you, you, you don't even link what's going on with you know these flashbacks and then it takes like for me it took years of even understanding what happened to me and then years of therapy work to actually really get to what happened and what it caused so yeah. it can be quite a long-winded process to even get to that stage of awareness and realization it is and I think what you're describing can be terrifying isn't it when mm -hmm. when you're having flashbacks and you really don't know where they're coming from yeah. um or, or 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 triggers which um are uh related to flashbacks where you you have these overwhelming feelings about something and and where do they come from what mm -hmm. are they um what are they what are they related to and you're right it takes a very long time to work through this so in my case um i, I sort of divide that time of my life up into two decades the first 10 mm -hmm. years was when i was decompensating and had no idea what was going on um, my, my, my inner life was falling apart. Um, my personal life and my family was falling apart and I was in pain and I was, had this feeling of doom following me around another feeling of shame, another feeling of fear. These were like clouds that were above me or else they were actually inside of me, forcing me to roll up into a fetal position. And I had no idea what was causing this. Uh, at the same time, I was teaching. So I would go into the classroom and I was doing great. And then I yeah. actually became the head of a private school and I was doing wow. great there. Strange. Um, but at, at home, uh, inwardly and, and outwardly at home, I was... Uh, I was literally falling apart. Oh. And, and so that was my decompensation. And that's when I had one um, uh, attempt at suicide. And about two years after that suicidal attempt, you know, I came out and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get this together. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm gonna pull my life together. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna heal myself. I'm gonna do it. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I, I continued to get worse and worse and worse. And so I finally uh, checked myself two years later uh, into a um, women's unit of a psychiatric hospital for 30 days. Okay. And I know that in, in some cases, I've heard people have real horror stories about hospitalizations. But mm. in my case, it was wonderful. Uh, it was a really good mm. uh, uh, unit with really good people there. And it was it enabled me to stabilize. Um, and actually, all of the craziness that I had felt uh, before I checked myself in um, settled down. I didn't have multiple voices anymore. Um, I didn't feel suicidal. Uh, there were lots of um, programs you could get involved in in the hospital, and that really fed my mind. I'm, I'm a person who needs to have a lot of organization and order in my mind you know so okay yeah I can do this I can do that I can do this and so for 30 days it, it, it settled down um although there were some um, um 
uh, rough bumps. For instance, when my, yeah. one of my parents wrote a letter to my psychiatrist and told her to stay away from the hobgoblins of my past, you know. Uh, but, you know, I came out and I knew it wasn't going to last, but I also knew I had to make, I had to, I, I, I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to find a way to turn my life around, to, to, mm-hmm. to heal. And I didn't know what that meant. And I didn't know how to do that. But I, I got a new job. I moved to a different city and I got a new, found a new therapist. And she happened to be a therapist who was um, very trauma informed. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, uh, over the period when I was out of the hospital, and but I wasn't in the new job yet, I had a twilight dream uh, that said, um, you have a twin sister, but she is me. And they gave her away and her name is Rosie. <laughs> now that sounds really cryptic, right? And I had no idea what that meant because I didn't have a twin sister and my parents never gave anyone away. Uh, but I just like stored it. I wrote it down in my journal and I stored it in the back of my brain. Um, and um, when I began to work with my new therapist, uh, Rosie made her appearance and she was the first alter um, that I uh, came to know. Although other alters had come out and functioned in the years prior to meeting Rosie. I, they had never introduced themselves to me. I didn't know that they were alters, but oh, I wow. knew that Ro- Rosie was an alter. And um, so she introduced herself to my therapist who um, welcomed her with open arms. Um, she said, I'm so glad you're here and I hope you come back again. Yeah. And as Rosie began to share some of her memory fragments, because she was very little, but she had memory fragments. And as she began to share them, my therapist would always say, uh, that is, you were so brave to share that. And I hope you'll come back again. And I hope you'll feel comfortable to share more. Mm-hmm. And um, she uh, Oh, I have to just use her name because I can't. <laughs> I can't keep going without saying my therapist's name. Her name is Sonia. So Sonia kept, you know, when I had I had an angry altar come forward, and he was loaded for bear, and he was gonna like wow. you know break up the room, and she said, "It's so nice to meet you, Mike. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm glad you're here, and I I know that you've been hurt, but you're not in danger anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and every every altar who came forward, that's how she welcomed them no matter how miserable they were. Uh, and some of them were really miserable. And as she began to treat them um, as the hurt children that they were, um, they began to trust her and they began to trust me and I began to trust them. And so we began to be able to, to work together. Um, you know, they none of this, the, the, the second 10 years of, of this period of my life, uh, was was meeting my new therapist and then meeting all my alters and working with them um, to, to to address the symptoms that everyone who has been um, sexually or otherwise abused as children have mm-hmm. to deal with. Um, we we don't all uh, create alters, but we all have to deal with trust issues. We all have to deal with relationship issues. We all have to deal with triggers. We all have to deal um, with with flashbacks of some sort. We all have to deal with integrating Mm -hmm. the knowledge of our past, what is the truth of our past, into our present, you know? So whether or not we have alters, we have we all have similar things to heal, yeah, and yeah. so in 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 the case with DID, we are often working with the alters or the parts um, to heal them. But it's really the same process, um, and uh, uh, and and it's learning how to love ourselves, even those parts of ourselves. Uh, and I use that word generically right now for anyone out there who's been abused whether or not you have DID parts, we all have parts. And so, you know, the parts of us that have been wounded and hurt, we have to learn to love that part of ourself. 
Um, and, and so that was not, an, that was also a very hard time in my life, but it, at least after I was diagnosed, at least I had something to hang my hat on. At least I knew there was a reason for my craziness. And I, and so I could start doing that work and it took a good 10 years to do that work, um, to come to the place where I can say that I integrated, uh, meaning that my parts, um, no longer felt the need to come forward and front and be in control because they trusted me. And, um, and so um, I've been integrated for 20 years uh, um, and my parts occasionally still come out to talk to me or to express emotions um, that really need to be expressed. But mostly they're just a part of me. So, mm-hmm. so um, I had an, a very angry part mm-hmm. um, and uh, 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 that has now become a part of the assertive Lynn. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I had a, had a very sexual part who is now the Lynn who can actually have intimate relationships and, and sexual relationships that are healthy. Yeah. Uh, in, 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 in my case, one sexual relationship that's healthy. Um, I have, I had a, um, a caregiver whose name was Nanny uh, who took care of Rosie and yeah. she carried all of Rosie's pain and, um, and and she was exhausted all the time because of that. But but that caregiver of Nanny is now a part of me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm trying to ra- run through my head for all my parts. I don't want to insult any of them for not mentioning them. But I had, <laughs> I had in, in my book, I talk about my 12 foundational parts, um, my 12 foundational altars. Um, I actually probably had over 20 when you, count the um uh the the fragment parts so so sometimes you have a little it's not it's not um a part that is it takes a large uh space in your life but it, they took on a little piece of 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 the abuse or the emotion um so we call them fragments so i probably had over 20 when i count them in but i had 12 foundational parts um and um so each of them are a part of me now, and I am uh, whole and integrated. But because um, my brain was formed that way as a small child, that's why I say they're still there. Yeah. Uh, because I, I will never change that. Um, that's called the structural theory of dissociation. That those that's the way your your brain is. Um, uh, it is still developing when you're a child. It hasn't fully developed. So if your brain develops with these different parts, then it's going to continue to have them. Mm-hmm. And I continue to have them. And, um, uh, but, but they, uh, they rarely come out um, and they, and, and we've healed the other um, uh, symptoms of, of abuse, uh, which you well know about. So the yeah. same kinds of symptoms that you experienced, we experienced, mm. and uh, probably we did similar kinds of things to heal from them. Yeah. And you also talk about faith in the, um, in one part of your book. Tell us about that and, you know, yes. how you actually started to practice faith. Yes. Thank you so much for asking that question. I don't always bring it up because I know there are people who have um, uh, certainly widely different views on that. And uh, although I am an ordained minister, I am I am not proselytizing uh, for faith. What I am proselytizing for is healing. Um, but um, I was raised um, in a family that was uh, that were atheists, uh, and it was almost a religion in itself. Um, and so I, uh, and very, very, um, you know, cognitive, like if you can't see, feel, taste, touch, or uh, see it, it doesn't exist. And, um, so that was really who I was as I grew up, although I always had this yearning. I always had a yearning. I went to Sunday school as a little girl. I always had a yearning, but I could not shake 
the atheism of my father, the agnosticism of my mother. And I read John Paul Sartre, who's an existentialist, and I decided I'm going to become an atheist. So I was an atheist. I married a man who was uh, also who's an ex-altar boy um, and, and an atheist and uh, an academic uh, in higher education. And so um, that's who I was and that's who we were. Um, but I always had that yearning. And as I began to f- fall apart in that first 10 years of my life, I, I, I well, I was hired, first of all, by a Quaker school. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I, before they hired me, I, I, I said to them, well, I think I have to uh, be honest with you. I would love to teach your children. I'd love talking to you and interviewing with you, but I don't believe in God. Um, and y- you need to know that, you know, before mm-hmm. we go further. And they said, you know, we just have a sense that you're the person to teach our children. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we sense of spirituality in you. That is what we want our children to know. And so I was sort of flabbergasted, but I, I was offered the job and I accepted it. And um, I became the first teacher at a um, uh, one room uh, Quaker schoolhouse, which now has its own campus. And it, it's from um, preschool up through sixth grade. Uh, when I taught it, we had one little room um, uh, with 15 students, uh, K through three. But anyway, um, that's a whole other story in my life. But that that sort of was a framework for me. And I started praying, God, give me strength and wisdom. God, give me strength and wisdom without believing in God and without ever expecting any, my prayer would be answered, but I just needed to pray to stay alive. The act of praying kept me alive. And a, a year later, I looked back and I thought to myself, wow, I'm, I'm getting stronger and I, I think I'm a little bit wiser. So, you know, maybe, maybe someone or something is answering my prayer. So there's a long story, you know, behind my evolution in faith. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure you want to hear all of it, but um, just to say that um, I, um, that, that my faith roots me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I don't think um, that I could have healed so fully and completely without it. And, um, and, and, and my faith story, which is described in the book, uh, is, uh, is concurrent with mm-hmm. my healing journey. Yeah. And, um, uh, so, so they are linked. At the same time, I want to say to people, if, 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 if a particular religion or the idea of faith turns you off, uh, then I, I um, affirm you in that and just encourage you to find your own uh, sense of uh, inner um, strength that can help to take you forward. Yeah. Because my understanding uh, of um, the, uh, the place where I put my faith is that, you know, we, we are all on journeys. And, and so I want to... Um, to bless those journeys. I'm, I'm cautious about even mm-hmm. using the word bless, but I want to bless every journey, wherever it's coming from and wherever it's going, as long as it's a healing journey, because that's, yeah. what, what, that's what we're supposed to be doing, is Absolutely. to just keep following that path uh, to healing. That brings us all in body, mind, and spirit. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And absolutely, I, I, I believe faith is so important, as is hope, having hope, and also, for me, gratitude. You know, oh, success, yes. I have a wonderful story about gratitude in the book, because I yeah. like for so many years, I didn't even know what gratitude was. It was like, I just, I just, I, yeah. just, I couldn't. I was in such pain. I, there was yeah. nothing for me to be grateful. Exactly. For. Yeah, yeah. I went to, I went to this retreat. Um, uh, that was on gratitude. Who knows why I went? Wow. Like, why did I go to this? <laughs> you know, after we did some uh, some meditation and uh, uh, some guided meditation, the, the retreat facilitator asked people to uh, go around the room and, and share something they were grateful for today. Oh, and, and I kept thinking, oh no, what am I going to say? I don't know what I'm going to say. I, I don't. And you know, by the time she got to me, I said. I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't know. I, I've got so much on my plate right now. I just don't know. 
mm. that I can identify anything that I'm grateful for. And I thought she would shun me. I thought I would be shamed in uh-huh. that room. And I wasn't. She didn't miss a beat. And she said, thank you so much for being honest. Because sometimes uh-huh. we carry so many burdens that we can't get in touch with our gratitude. And right then and there is when I realized I do have something to be grateful for. These people who uh, are all sitting, sharing their gratitude, accepted me. They accepted me even without gratitude, even even without my being able to express gratitude. And, And after that, it became so easy. And I saw... In my journal, I used to write, help me, help me, help me. And then I saw this dramatic shift. I would just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Over and over again in my journal, I would just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. So gratitude for me, is a, it, it is a gift. Gratitude. It is. And for me, it just enhances my mood. Like, you know, starting off today, the day with gratitude instantly, you know, if I wake up feeling a bit meh, just by thanking for just another day on earth and thank you for my heart, which beats uncontrollably every day. And just, just the littlest things that we wouldn't even think about. Oh my goodness. There's just some, something healing. Thank you for breath. You know, thank you for life and thank you for breath. And, And because I'm someone who attempted suicide and felt suicidal so much, that gratitude is so important. And I just want to share that with your listeners that, Right now, you may feel like life isn't worth living, but it is worth living. You are worth it. Mm. No matter how you feel, you are worth it. And just keep at it. Keep on. Keep moving forward. And someday you'll get to the place where you can feel that gratitude because Mm. you are worth it. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We are. And I was actually just thinking about maybe, you know, if you wanted to talk a bit more about dissociative identity disorder for those listeners who may not have come across this before. Yeah, Yeah, please. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. um, Well, so dissociative identity disorder uh, was originally called multiple personality disorder. And when I was diagnosed actually back in 1992, uh, that's what it was called. So I was diagnosed okay. with personality disorder or MPD. Mm-hmm. And about two years later, the diagnostic, uh, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual um, for Psychiatric uh, Disorders, um, renamed it uh, to be okay. Dissociative Identity Disorder or DID. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about how it forms yeah. uh, in young children. It really does not form after, I don't know, the age of six or eight or 10, uh, because after that, our brains are already um, uh, pretty well developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that, some, that, that we don't all have parts of some sort, but the parts that come from chronic trauma have to be uh, created in, in that childhood period of time when the brain has not fully developed. Um, and um, so what you will find um, in um, adulthood or, or in adolescence, I think sometimes with some uh, young folks, it, it really manifests itself in, uh, in, in adolescence or early adulthood. Um, and we, 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 um, we don't, we, we, our parts start to come forward because what happens is you just, your, your, your psyche just cannot hold it in anymore. It just starts coming out uh, and it comes out in these parts um, that were created when we were very young. Um, 90, 95% um, of uh, all people with DID have what we call covert DID, which means that you're unless you're in an intimate relationship with the person, you're not likely to see a switch. Mm. And this is very different from what we see in Hollywood, you know. Yeah. And, and I want to, you know, sort of portray a different kind of a um, image of what DID is, because we we created parts in order to hide the abuse from ourselves and others. We don't ordinarily, you know, uh, switch. Um, with any um, obvious signs or symptoms. Um, 
Now there are there is five or ten percent who do, you know, and and so I want to really acknowledge that. But um, for for most of us, we 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 are not we don't obviously switch. We usually know when we've switched, but other people don't. Our therapists may know because they've come to see the very subtle signs that we make, uh, but other people will not. Our spouses or significant others may know because they're intimate with us, but others will not. A lot of people think that DID is um, a very rare condition, but that is not true. Mm -hmm. DID, uh, research, traumatic um, uh, uh, memory uh, research has um, uh, determined that between one to five percent of the world population has DID, um, maybe even more because most people with DID are in the system for somewhere between eight and 10 years before they're uh, pr properly diagnosed. Um, so one to 5% puts DID uh, neck and neck with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia in terms of um, uh, prevalence. Um, and if we remember that it's actually um, uh, a disorder that um, has um, saved our lives, <laughs> mm. uh, you know, so that um, these uh, other parts of us, uh, it may feel or seem or sound scary, but um, these are actually small children. Some of them have grown up, and so they take on adult personas uh, in our lives, but they began as small children, and, and they actually saved our lives. They're not, uh, they are a part of us, so they're not an alien force. They're different from schizophrenia, where people have voices outside of themselves talking to them. With DID, the voices are inside of us. Um, and, and, and sometimes they manifest as voices. Sometimes they manifest as feelings. Sometimes they will take um, control, so to speak. Uh, that what we, that's really fronting. So a part of us might front um, you might notice, you might have noticed with me, well, Lynn seems pretty, um, uh, pretty quiet, uh, right now. And then the next day, Lynn's really acting, Lynn's pretty assertive today, you know? Mm. And, and so that's a different part of me who's uh, coming to the front, uh, to manage a situation or to, run away from a situation. Sometimes yeah. our parts um, are, are frightened and, and take us away from a situation. Sometimes they're out front to um, help us get through the day. So I had parts who were um, instrumental in my managing a professional life. Mm -hmm. And without them, I could not have done that. Um, and, um, you know, and uh, other parts that held the abuse, um, parts that held the shame, um, uh, and, and parts, of course, that held the anger and the sexuality and uh, and other aspects of who I was. Yeah, oh, thank you for that. And how about dissociation? Yeah, that's a good question. Thank you for asking it. You know, um, first of all, dissociation is a very natural um, uh, function in everybody's uh, uh, psychic life. We all dissociate sometimes, uh, mm. very simply, uh, when you get bored, uh, you might dissociate if you're sitting in a big lecture hall and the professor is boring and you're looking out the window <laughs> at the birds uh, yeah. or some kids playing soccer. Uh, you're not any you're not in this lecture hall anymore. You're not even in your body. You're out there with the birds uh, or the kids playing soccer. Daydreaming. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Daydreaming is a kind of dissociation. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's at, at the, the, the very uh, normal end of the spectrum of dissociation. Dissociation uh, is also, um, uh, it, it can happen when we need to protect ourselves from danger. So yeah. um, I, very often, uh, well, I, I, veterans who come back from war mm. often dissociate Dissociation is a symptom of PTSD. Um, so, um, so veterans will, will often dissociate um, uh, people who have been, women who have been raped, mm. uh, men who have been raped, 
um, uh, will uh, have PTSD and dissociation. So dissociation is all part of that bull because you, you're protecting yourself from what's happening to your body. Um, yeah. So you're sort of separating yourself from your body. So dissociation is is um, is a really can can be a useful uh, bodily function, uh, bodily psychic function, and um, so when 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 uh, the trauma um, occurs um, in children frequently, uh, there can be many. There's several different dissociative disorders uh, that can develop, and so. Um, and it not it doesn't always end up in DID, mm-hmm. so it can simply be a, a, a dissociative disorder not otherwise specified, uh, DDNOS. Um, and um, there are also I, I think it's derealization and depersonalization disorder, which are is is sort of feeling unreal um, that people can experience um, from trauma. Um, without going to the point of actually forming uh, separate parts, uh, and then there's DID, which is pro- which is the most extreme form of dissociative um, disorders. However, um, uh, it is it is treatable, uh, okay, and, okay. and 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 there is hope, uh, and uh, and 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 the gratitude will come. <laughs> oh, absolutely! No, that's great. Thank you so much for um, clarifying that. I think it's quite important um, to understand these, you know, the terminology. And so do you talk about um, all of these um, within your book? Because you mentioned that it's a 12 part um, kind of process that you, that you talk about. I, I'm sorry, the, the, uh, it, it, I'm not quite sure I understand your question. Oh, you mentioned about um, you talk about 12 uh, parts in your book. Oh yeah, I do. I'm sorry. I wasn't sure I, I was misinterpreting that, but yes, in, in my book, I talk about everything that we're talking about here, really, okay. but it's, it, but I've, but I've written it, it, it almost in the style of a novel so that, you know, it's, I I'm telling the story, mm-hmm. um, but along the way I share things about dissociation. I share things about parts. I certainly share things about my, my, some of my parts uh, surface in, in the story and mm-hmm. you can experience what they're experiencing through the story. Right. Um okay. And um, uh, so, yeah, um, I, yeah. Um, I, I hope that um, it is a, a, a book uh, or a memoir that will um, be really uh, illuminating um, for people to understand what it's like to have dissociative disorder, mm-hmm. to demystify it, um, to um, also see how we can work through um, therapeutically and, and, and what some of the options are at, at the end. And again, in my case, um, I integrated. Um, that isn't always the chosen option for everyone. Mm-hmm. Some people with DID will heal the symptoms of abuse, but opt to remain in parts. Mm-hmm. And that's a valid choice. Uh, so I um, I want to make sure that your listeners are aware that some people with DID will integrate at the end of the, that deep therapeutic process, and others will choose to remain in parts. But you probably won't know that, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they're, those folks are probably not going to be sharing uh, that they have DID. I want to say it is very hard for people with DID to tell other people that they have it. I am 74 years old and I am just coming out now uh, with my memoir. And um, we are, we're terrified to share it. Um, When I, um, uh, when a school that I had attended um, uh, published something about my book a few months ago, um, a professional person who also graduated from that school, whom I didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, emailed me right away and said, I, I just about jumped out of my chair. I was diagnosed 20 years ago, but I've never told anyone wow. because of fear. So we're very much afraid to share this story. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's partly because of the nature of the disorder and and and, and partly because 
um, the public doesn't understand it. And we're afraid we'll lose our jobs. We're afraid we'll lose our friends. We're afraid that people will stigmatize us. And we don't want that to happen. So I hope that with my book and with talking to you, Anu, um, and with others as well, that I can help to de-stigmatize de- de- um, st- that um, so that eventually people will feel more comfortable coming out um, and saying, this is who I am. Um, this is who yeah. I am. And, and uh, walk with me on my journey if you want to or yeah. not. It's your choice, but this is who I am. Um, and um, so that's that's part of what I hope will happen here. Oh, absolutely. And I think you've hit the nail on the head where, you know, one of the key um, messages from this talk and probably from a lot of my talks on trauma is the fact that, you know, we just need to start talking about it because otherwise, you know, it's difficult to heal, to accept, to, to forgive as well. And I think a lot of people do still struggle with that because, you know, number one, that they've still got the traumatic memory that they don't know what happened. And then secondly, they're just scared of the shame because I know you mentioned shame as well, didn't you? Um, when we just had our discussion before this talk and that just takes over the shame and the guilt. It just takes over people. And yeah. 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 And fear. I think fear is another uh, shame, guilt, fear. Um, yeah. 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 So it's about just um, communicating and then getting help. You know, I think it's important to try and find somebody who you can trust, first of all, um, who you can share what happened to you with. And then obviously to go and seek help through a, a therapist and, you know, get some healing and then just start to um, lead a life of more presence because again, you know, with trauma, we just, we're so stuck in the past as well. And we forget to enjoy the moment that we, you know, that we're living today. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Because it's a gift, uh, isn't it? This particular moment. Yeah, it is. Wow. No, thank you. I, 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 I would just say, um, that um, one of the things I've been doing this past year is uh, leading um, writers' workshops for free online uh, for people with dissociative disorders. And I bring that up now because of what you said about sharing and talking, Mm. that what what we're doing in in these workshops is, is, is these amazing people are starting to share their story. Nice, yeah. In a safe environment, Brilliant. through writing, um, some of them write prose, some of them write essays, some of them write poetry, um, and so it's and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to um, to hear what they have to say and to um, see how they have learned to trust each other, to trust me, and and mostly to trust themselves, to mm. share it. And I just wanted to bring that up because that's a part of um, um, sharing our stories, sometimes uh, with DID and with other uh, uh, sexual abuse, that we, um, we, we, isolate, we are isolated. We may not be isolated in many ways in our lives, but that part of ourselves is isolated yeah. uh, we don't share it with a lot of people yeah. and so this is a way to share um, uh, share our stories slowly um, and awesomely uh, with others mm. who can bless us um, in our stories and, and fully understand mm. so I wanted to share that with you Thank you. Yeah. So what what I'll be doing is adding all the links on the bottom of this talk in the description box on the podcast as well as on the YouTube. So um, yeah, I hope that my listeners can come and sign up to this because I think they 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 can sign up for writers' workshops. That I I have a a weekly uh, blog uh, and newsletter that I send out um, that uh, they can also receive. and I hope they might want to check uh, out uh, Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com for my uh, for my memoir. And um, I just um, am so grateful <laughs> to be in a position now that I can give back. Um, yeah. you know, 
it, it, when we're in the middle of it, it's really hard to do much more than survive. Yeah. But so uh, uh, when we're in, you know, but 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 I can give back now, and I'm yeah. so grateful in that position. So true, and and again, I'm I'm so grateful of that exact feeling every day because you're right you know for so long in my life I was just so stuck in myself because I hated myself and the only thing that I thought you know that that was coming to me was death and so just to get out of that to um just you know understand more about yourself and then to try and create a bit of self-love self-compassion from that's the place that you can actually start to give and to help others and and I think yeah it's it's so beautiful to come out on the other side to be able to do that and that, that's exactly where I am today as well <laughs> and I love the name of your podcast uh, victim to victor because oh. that is exactly what it is isn't it yeah it so is but we are not victims anymore no we're not, we're not victims anymore mm-hmm. and and we are victors and yeah. uh, we're, we're, and and even if we haven't fully claimed our victory, uh, we're we're on the way. We are absolutely. Yeah. Oh wow. Thank you. Wow. It's been an absolute honor having you on. I really appreciate you and just learning about DID dissociation. Again, you know, these are very kind of untouched parts of trauma. I find at the moment they're still not widely spoken about. So the fact that you know you're here educating people and raising the awareness, I think it's just so valuable. So thank you and keep going. Keep doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Well, with people like you, I will. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, listeners, I, I hope that you found this episode to be of value because I know I sure did. And, you know, please do get in touch with Lynn. Please do um, check her out on her website and social channels. I'll be adding all the links um, in, in the description box. And please do get in touch with myself if you have, have any questions for me. And uh, in the meantime, stay blessed. Keep that faith and just stay blessed and um Practice gratitude. I think, you know, that's the key message from today as well is to have gratitude. (laughs) Amen. Amen, yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. And I'll see you all in the next episode. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Victim to Victor. Subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes and be sure to follow the podcast on socials to keep updated on what's next and share Victim to Victor with family and friends to help grow the community and spread the positive healing energy.